Okay, great. Hey, uh, so if you don't know who we are, my name's Ian Johnny. We're elders here at Glasgow Grace, and uh, this is Vision Sunday. Now, we had one of these back in May 2022, and uh, it was a kind of big announcement that Sunday we were down at Glasgow University Union, uh, if you remember, if you were there. But actually, there's a whole bunch of people here who are new, who weren't there then, and are like, what did you announce? Oh, this sounds interesting. And uh, I've had all sorts of conversations with people recently who have no idea about these plans that we believe God has given us um, as a church. So we want to go through all of that and make sure that everyone is clear that we're together on this, uh, but also just to remind every single one of us, what is it that God is calling us to next? And then look at how is it that we go about doing that? How, how do we actually take steps of faith in being obedient to what God is calling us to in practical ways. Uh, so we're going to look at that today, aren't we, Johnny? Certainly are. Great. So, um, yeah, as Ian said, this is Vision Sunday, but I think we can all agree that we want God's vision, don't we? Yeah. We want God's vision. So we want to follow his ways. I hope none of us are interested in just following personalities, but that we follow the person of Jesus. That's what we should be after, right? And I think we can all agree on that. So we want to just connect a few dots this morning. Um, we say that we exist for God's glory and Glasgow's good. We start many of our services by declaring that over, our, over ourselves. But if we're being truly honest with ourselves, sometimes we struggle to connect that with the mundane things of a Sunday morning. So sometimes we arrive early and put the chairs out, or we pour the coffee, or we teach the kids, and we think, how on earth does this connect with God's glory? See, what has any of that got to do with Glasgow's good? So, to begin answering that question, let's look at the very beginning of the story. Yeah, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, but I'd like us to pray first. Mm. I actually find that on these Sundays, in any church I've been in, um, and it's certainly been the case here at Glasgow Grace, the lead-up to them can be difficult for a number of people in the church. There's a spiritual battle going on. Mm. Uh, I just want to be real with you on that. And um, I think it'd be great if we could pray that Jesus comes and bursts in and says what he wants to say to us by the power of his Holy Spirit, and that all those distractions that have tried to come in this last week would be gone. Mm. Sound good? Yeah. Yes, Lord Jesus, we trust you, our victor. Lord, you are the one who has had the victory over sin, Satan, and death. Yeah. We thank you, God, that you've come to bring life that there is resurrection life in this room, that by the power of your spirit, you come and you change hearts and you, you start changing people and changing towns and cities. And, and Lord, that's what we want to be about. We want to be a part of this extraordinary move of the Holy Spirit that is redeeming the world. And it is through you, Jesus, our King. And so we look to you. And we say, Lord, would you remove any of the nonsense that's been put in our way this week? Any of those little fallouts that might have happened? And we don't even know where those thoughts came from or why we felt frustrated at this or that. Lord, we know there is a battle going on. And we thank you, Lord, that you are victor and that we uh, stand with you. And so in Jesus' name, would all of that go? And would you pour out truth in this room? And would we be together? Would you unite us as a church? 
Lord, we thank you that you are so passionate for our unity. As we become one with you, you are so desperate for us to be one with each other. And Lord, we know that that's been declared it's true, but in the working of, oh, we need to work that out in life. And so, Lord, now would you, in this moment, unite us in heart and mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to go right back to the very beginning. And um, we want to remind you of what was said at the beginning today and what Johnny has just said. Again, we exist for God's glory and Glasgow's good. And actually, really, that is a declaration about who we are. A church with a vision to play our part in God's restoration of humanity. Sounds grand, doesn't it? But it's true. So to understand our role as a church, we don't need to begin right here. We need to go all the way back to Genesis. Now, I read a book recently that's so helpful in trying to understand what the mission of God is and how we play our part in it. And uh, they said this, it's uh, two authors called Craig Bartholomew and Michael Goheen in the drama of scripture. They said, the way we understand human life depends on what conception we have of the human story. Let me say that again. The way we understand human life depends on what conception, what beginning we have of the human story. Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, as they were entering into Canaan. The religious and the cultural practices at the time were threatening to encroach on the life of the glory of Yahweh. The the people of God were called to live to his glory for him, to put him first, to love him first in every single part of their lives. And so we need to ask, what is the Eden account, this account we have from Genesis 1 to 3, trying to tell us in that context? Comparisons um, were being made in Genesis between images that had been set up in Canaanite shrines and temples of the time And those Canaanite temples were filled with idols that were wooden or stone. But then, at the center of Eden was an image as well that wasn't to bear the likeness of a false god, of an idol, but was to bear the image of the one true God. It says this in Genesis, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Can you imagine hearing this at that time? It would be jaw-dropping stuff. This image was no dead wood idol, no stone carving. It was humanity, people. So you and I, Adam and Eve, you and I, have been made in the image of God at the center of a temple, Eden, to the glory of God. So at the center of of creation was a garden temple, and in that temple were living and breathing image bearers to their gods. Adam was named because he is mankind, Eve named because he is womankind, people made in the image of God and to the glory of God. And he gives them a mission. It says, fill the earth and multiply. So we are to be communities, image-bearing communities, image bearing of our God, who multiply communities that bring Eden life across the earth. That is at the heart of what it is to be a human being. 
again. That's what the, the Bible affirms time after time again. You see, God's people are made to be people who um, are for the praise of his name. The praise of his name. Everything we do should be about glorifying him and praising his name. You see, our design is to image him and his glory. You see, through the prophet Isaiah, we see God declaring, Bring my sons from afar and from my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. Since Genesis 3, people have been trying in all different kinds of ways, sometimes consciously, sometimes um, unconsciously, to return to some sort of purpose as human beings. That we can identify with that, can't we? We sometimes just search. We know there's something more. And we are searching, searching, searching. Interesting that Jesus prayed on the night of his betrayal. It summed up his mission. He said, I glorified you on earth. I glorified you. The glory. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Then, as he gets ready to ascend... And the disciples get ready for the church to be born. He says in Matthew 28, this famous passage, passage, the Great Commission, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I will always be with you to the very end of the age. Did you hear that? There's a word in there that is vital. It's all all authority from heaven above and it's jesus by his spirit who will be with us and he is with us and so like jesus finds his purpose on earth through the glory of his father we as jesus's disciples find ours in bringing glory to christ we join through jesus to the mission of god to glorify him the Apostle Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians in the New Testament and he says that we are co-workers with Christ. Amazing. We are co-workers with Christ. And he continues in that same letter and he says that we are to walk away from sinful desire to the life that is lived, to the glory of God. Sinful desire be pushed out of the way. I'd exist for the glory of God in whatever we do. That's who we are. We are to exist for the glory of God. To whatever you do, to all, to the glory of God. We are to be communities that are image-bearing. In community, we bear the image of Father, Son, and Spirit, who is this perfect, eternal community. And we get to share in the world's most important project. The mission of the church is hidden in the mission of God. And it is at the heart of what it is to be human. So church planting is then at the heartbeat of that mission. Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And he calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. So through the life, death, and resurrection of a better Adam, this Jesus who was perfect and able to represent all of humanity on the cross and bear all our sin and our shame to defeat death, sin, and Satan, he has given us all a new start. And by beginning new churches, we are offering the world opportunities to have a new start in Christ, to rediscover their true humanity, 
to glorify God. Jesus said he had to go. But when he did, he said it would be better for the disciples because the Spirit of God would come. And it falls on the church when the church is born at Pentecost. And this great reversal takes place. Have you noticed this? In the Old Testament, you have this coming to Jerusalem. To The nations will come to Jerusalem and they will see the glory of God there. But now he sends them out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Carrying the glory of God, carrying this message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And so this great reversal takes place. But actually, the reversal goes all the way back to Genesis and restores our original calling to fill the earth with the glory of God. And so Jesus has given us this immense privilege of going. The Spirit of God once dwelled in the temple, now it dwells with you. Do you know that? Do you realize that? That you are like a living stone and together we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so when we establish new churches, we don't just establish some kind of meeting. We don't just buy a building or something like that and start putting things on. The people of God carry the presence of God to that place, to those people. And as we move into post-Christian Glasgow, we need to rediscover and re-establish this New Testament pattern. Go, share Jesus, Jesus then saves people, and churches form. It's really simple. But you know what? In Christendom, that's not the way it worked. We reversed it. But it's not what we're called to. We're called to go. We're called to proclaim. We're called to share Jesus. We're called to witness what Jesus then does in people's hearts and see them saved and then see churches established. We're supposed to be multiplying. Acts 11 is a really clear example. So uh, if you do have your Bibles with you, turn to Acts 11. And uh, beginning in verse 20, it says this. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So what happens? Believers from Cyprus and Cyrene go to Antioch and they share Jesus. Simple, right? What happens in the next verse, verse 21? The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What happens next? Jesus saved some people. Great, simple. Verses 25 to 26, jump down to there. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So what's going on here? Well, people are going out and they're sharing Jesus and then they're being saved and then they're forming churches. So when God spoke to me through this prophetic word back in 2016 about planting churches in Scotland at a prayer meeting, It wasn't a bright idea that God suddenly had that just kind of popped into my head. 
It was planned before the world began, and it is to play a part in God's great plan for humanity, for the people who make up this city. For Glasgow's good. For God's glory. So we've always believed this, that we're to be a multiplying church, right? It's at the heart of who we are. Now, some of you are sitting there and going, man, can we just get to the good bit? Like, I want to know what we're going to do next as a church. (laughs) Just tell me that, will you? Guys, if this isn't in our hearts, if we don't believe this, we won't do it. And if we do do it, we'll do it for our glory and not God's. It'll be a mess. It'll be chaos. And I don't want to be part of it. So we're going to go over this stuff again and again and again. We're going to keep going back to the simple basics of why we share the gospel. Why it's good news that Jesus came. Why it's good news for Glasgow that Jesus is alive. Why it's good news for the people, their, their beautiful feet, to go to the different places of Glasgow and proclaim the good news and share it and see people saved and churches formed and then other churches formed and sent and leaders raised and and God just doing incredible multiplying work through the power of his kingdom. We're going to keep going over that because that's why we do it. We've always believed we're to be a multiplying church, a church planting church. That was the name of the book that we read For those of you who were in that room in a small flat overlooking the city called Multiplying Churches, that was the first book we ever read together before we'd even had a public meeting. And um, it is still in our DNA and it always will be. We probably assumed that that meant that we were to grow a city centre church and that God would then raise people up and send them out to different parts of Scotland, different parts of wherever, like to Europe, to Asia. We still believe that, by the way. We still hope that God's going to do that. But we thought we'd have a kind of larger church that sent people to plant churches. That that's what we're going to be called to. But actually, even though there's nothing wrong with that, we believe God is calling us to do something different. Yeah, brilliant. We, um, I think this... A lot of this um, bit that we're about to say, a lot of you've heard, but we just want to take it We just want to say it over and over again to remind people. Um, so this um, all kind of started um, a wee while back. Myself and Ian were um, meeting in our kitchen actually, and we we were just not, having this. Not our kitchen, just to clarify. <laughs> our kitchen, just to be. Really I happen clear. to be in their kitchen. <laughs> Very good clarification. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we were in mine and Lynn's kitchen, and um, we were just hashing some stuff out and we we started looking at the map of where our grace communities were i think we've got a picture of the map hopefully coming up Um, and we had three grace communities in the northwest of the city and three in the south east and it just got us thinking by the way since then we have now got a seventh which is right in the city center meeting on a monday tuesday Tuesday, lunchtime if you're interested um, come speak to us at the end best best group ever controversial okay um and we looked at that map and we thought, oh, I wonder what it would be like for us to have two gatherings rather than one. And it was a bit of a throwaway comment, a bit of, oh, you know, it'll never happen. Just a little bit of to and throwing. The very next day, someone in the church with a prophetic gift gives Ian a phone and says, um, I've got this word that just keeps recurring over and over again. Let's meet and chat about it. So they met up and, and the picture was this, that they saw a vine and branches going up a trellis um, but that it wasn't just going straight up it was it was going in the path of least resistance 
was the way that it was described. So that's when he started looking at it, it kind of started going multiple different directions out to the edge parts. Now that person didn't have a clue about the conversation like myself and Ian had had the day before. It was a little interesting. Let's, um, let's take that away and pray about it. Um, Ian was then um, away in January with a few other leaders and pastors across the UK. Um, and he had this picture of a jigsaw. Um, and he was kind of sat there with this piece and he was like, it's the middle piece, I'm going to try and put it in. And he just could not fit it in. Um, and it quickly realised that actually we were to start from the outside and kind of come in. Interesting. It's another kind of similar... Th this was like a massive revelation to me, but I I'm told that like most people do this. <laughs> so like, of course you find the edges first. Imagine I'm doing the jigsaw with you. Yeah, I know. I'm one of those guys that like starts in the middle. Just looks for the colours. Anyway. Sorry. Good. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. I, think you, I think you needed to say that. To All right, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, and then the last thing that we had, uh, we, um, we spent a bit of time um, fasting as a church and we, had a, we finished it off with a prayer meeting. Um, and someone during that prayer meeting came up and said, oh, I've just got this word and this picture. Um, I think it's really important. I think it's really significant. I don't want to share it tonight, but I want to share it with the elders so they can go away um, and pray. And it was this, that he saw this like zoomed out image of Glasgow with this big ring around it sort of orange glowing ring and as you zoom into that ring you actually realize that it's not just one big ring there's multiple smaller rings around Glasgow um, we've had a few other words that are similar to that and it just felt to us as we prayed and as we took time and um, consulted others um, it just felt like perhaps God is calling us to a slightly different way of doing things a slightly different direction than maybe we initially thought yeah, so Johnny and I spent months praying about this um, and then took it to other leaders within the church and outside and kind of just got people to weigh this. Um, and after months of doing that, uh, we were convinced this is, this is God. God's in this. Uh, we believe that we are to be uh, smaller congregations that meet throughout the city rather than trying to grow one big congregation um, and that we should start by having one in the southeast as well as up here in the northwest. Interestingly, we at the time were meeting more city centre, Charing Cross, um, and around that area. And um, since then, we've been able to move into this building, and it's worked really well. I, I think you would agree. Um, great space for us to worship, uh, but it is further from the people in the southeast, and um, it just seems like this is the perfect spot for the guys in the north, and then we'll explore what it looks like to plant something in the southeast in the months to come. Great. So, um, some of you will know that um, Lynn's dad, so my father-in-law, is an apple farmer in Northern Ireland. Um, he lives in this like beautiful farm, um, and one of the things that was really interesting. So, his son Andrew was walking along one day down the lane towards the house, and it's got apple fields on either side. And he was walking along with his dad and he just suddenly noticed that actually on one side of the road, this field had a really different strategy for growing apples than the other side did. One side, uh, one of the fields on this side had really large trees, but not many. They were really far spaced apart. And on the other side of the road, there were many small trees, like much more, and they were much closer to each other. He was like, it's really interesting. Why would you do that? Why on earth would you have two different strategies for growing apples? So he's, he spoke to his dad, he thankfully knew the answer. And the answer is this, that in the past, the general consensus in the industry has been to grow large trees. And, and growing large trees would get you a better yield. You would have 
better fruit, we would have more of it. Um, and it was thought that fewer bigger trees would produce um, much more fruit than smaller ones. However, as the time moved on, farmers actually started to realise that the best way to get the most apples every season was to plant few, uh, bigger, uh, sorry, smaller but more trees. Um, so in the area that one large tree took to grow, you could actually grow eight of these small trees. And those eight trees would produce way more fruit than the one would. Really interesting. The other, the other thing that was really interesting was that the small trees had the flexibility to use the little small places in the fields that potentially the large trees couldn't reach. So as we've been praying and hearing from God, we sense that God is leading us to be a planting multiple church that is a bit like those small trees rather than one large tree or one large congregation. I do want to be really clear here though, like really clear. God has specific plans for specific groups of believers in specific places. So whilst we think that God may be leading us in this way, we praise God for the way he uses other churches. And it might be that God uses massive, big, multi-site churches, or it might be that he uses massive, big churches in Glasgow. We praise God for that. Now, if we're being real, you might be sitting there and be like, oh, this feels a little bit daunting. I don't really like this. So we just want to lay out how we believe um, stepping into this um, calling will give us all opportunities to live out the mission that God has called us here um, in Glasgow. So here's a few ways that we think God is calling us um, and how it will help us as a church. Yeah, so the first one is to one another. Uh, so we think this will help us to one another. Uh, there's over a hundred uh, one another's in the New Testament and we're committed to building relationally. So we're not interested in putting on a big event that people can kind of ghost in and out of. Um, we want to avoid the temptation into this becoming more of a spectator thing. Because let's be honest, that's what it turns into often. Not always, praise God, for those very well-organized big churches where it doesn't. But for many of them, it's very difficult not just to have a bunch of spectators who start to view church as an event to come to on a Sunday rather than being the church. And actually, if we want to be the church, then it needs to be done relationally, and we need to know one another. <laughs> the bigger we have become, the harder it has become to maintain genuine relationships. Let's just be real about that. We can't be sure of exact numbers and kind of how this will all look, but we think that this will be congregations of kind of 60 to 80. And suddenly that becomes so much more manageable. We've been having about 120 on a Sunday recently, somewhere between 100 and 120 on a Sunday. That makes, that makes it difficult for us to know everyone. Uh, we had uh, 27 people at the welcome lunch recently, and we know that there was like 15 others that could have come who are new in the last six months. Um, but happen to be away or whatever, other commitments. And so even with that, like, hey, let's just recognize it's difficult to even know everyone's names. <laughs> never mind really one another. Never mind really go uh, have, have relationship with each other. We think that if you're not here, it should be noticeable. And um, we want to do this relationally. So it'll help us to one another. 
Uh, secondly, it will help us to belong. Um, so praise God, our belonging is in Christ, right? Paul says in, in Galatians 3 that we've been united to him. Amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, the other thing is that we've also been united to each other. You see, we were all alienated from God. We were all far off from God, but we have now been welcomed into his kingdom and made to be one of his people. You see, we belong together in Christ. We belong together in Christ. This isn't an individual sport that we all go off and do, but it's a team sport that we're all a part of. See, when Jesus welcomes you in to his family, he welcomes you in to the church. It's not only that, but when you were born into God's church, God declares us and you as indispensable in 1 Corinthians 12. So if we are indispensable to this body, which you are, you are indispensable to this body, then we should notice when someone's not in the room. And as Ian just said, as the numbers get higher, it's so easy to just oh, not realise someone's here. See, the kind of relationships we need is to notice that people aren't here. And we want to call each other to just go further than just attending a Sunday gathering, just a Sunday meeting. We want to get into people's lives and live life together. Yeah, and it's going to help us to flourish in our gifts, right? So God has given us gifts, wonderful gifts, by the power of the Holy Spirit to build one another up and to be the church on mission, right? Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, we are to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, and that together we're like a body, different parts, um, with gifts to use. So, at Glasgow Grace, we want to do just that. We do different things to try and help with that. Pursuing Prophecy tonight, by the way, quick plug, uh, at our house. Uh, not our house. Um, <laughs> Lindsay's going to be leading that one, and um, we'd love to see you there. But we want to see everyone flourishing their gifts, no matter what those gifts are. Discovering gifts for the first time, being given new gifts, all these kind of things. Smaller congregations will help us from just sitting back and letting everyone else do it. It will help us to not professionalize different roles or have so, so much kind of expertise in one or two people that the rest of us just kind of sit back and just let them do it. Because actually we need you. And that is always true, but it's made visible to us in smaller congregations. And so uh, the less people in the room, the more we need to rely on each other. So if you believe in Jesus and you, you belong on the pitch, another sports analogy, uh, not in the stands, but uh, on the pitch. So there's more ability in this room than you realize. We keep saying this one. There's so much more ability in this room than you realize. There's so much more ability in you than you realize. There's God's potential, God-given gifts that maybe you haven't even begun to explore. We want to explore those and see you flourish. Right, the fourth thing is that um, this will help us to serve sacrificially. See, Jesus calls us to come and to serve and not to be served. You see, we live in a world now where people are constantly trying to sell us something. We've been trained that we deserve to be served, but God completely flips on his head and says that you're not called to be served, but to serve. In other words, serving is part of our identity as followers of Christ. It's what we do. See, when we serve, we should be holding up this big reflective sheet that says, oh, the glory's not on me, but I'm pointing the glory back to Christ. 
Serving is not about us. Serving is not about you. We serve for God's glory and in response to Jesus, going to the cross and taking the punishment that we deserved. Have you ever fallen into that trap in church where you're like, I'm not needed. That team looks so healthy. There's so many people doing that. I'm not needed. I'll just step back. It's quite easy to do, isn't it? I just want to be really honest, that is not true, and it is never true in the life of the church. You are needed. You have got a role. You are so vital to the health of this church. Smaller congregations will help all of us to serve. And there's this kind of beautiful dynamic tension that always takes place, right? So we want to pursue our gifts, and we we want to flourish in them and enjoy those, but we also want to sacrificially serve. And so sometimes that will mean doing things that you don't want to do. That's okay. That's good. Do things you don't want to do. At the same time, push into the gifts that God's given you and enjoy doing those. Um, and hopefully you find joy in it all as you uh, look to, to bring glory to God. Yeah. It's also going to help us to grow in our mission. And really, this is the heart of the whole thing. It's why Jesus came. He was on a mission to rescue the world. It's why the Spirit was poured out on the church and the church was formed. So we, we join this mission of God and reveal the way, the way through Christ to be returned to our true purpose as human beings. So the more areas of this city that we can get into, of course, the more opportunities we have to reveal the truth to people, right? And so uh, even just from a real practical example, when we were doing Christmas stuff uh, recently, or we, uh, we then had our Bridges event not long ago on mental health, these are brilliant, like really well put together, um, I can say that because I wasn't really that involved. Um, and, and I would have loved to, invited my na- to invite my neighbours, but to be honest with you, I know busy family lives, they're not going to travel across the city half an hour to get to something and go back on a Wednesday or a Thursday evening. It's just really, it's going to be really difficult for them to do that practically. Now, some might, praise God for those who do, but actually, wouldn't it be better if we could get more and more local in the way that we do mission? All right. Those are some of the things, and there are much more, that we think smaller congregations are going to help with. But how do we actually make those steps towards planting this next congregation? And that's what we're going to finish with. Yeah, great. So the first one is we need to step up in prayer. As a church, we need to be seeking God. We cannot do this ourselves. If your heart's not quite connecting with this, let me encourage you to pray. Seek God. Seek God. Let's together bring this to God in prayer. We go together as a church. We want to pray together. And we are going to seek out as many opportunities for us to pray corporately. We pray every first Friday of the month, uh, first thing in the morning. We would just love to see more and more people come along to that and to pray, and we will continue to find opportunities to pray. So the first thing is, let's step up in prayer as a church. And just get a bit more specific on that, that does mean that we are going to have all kinds of prayer meetings arranged after Easter. So uh, look out for those, there'll be prayer walks, there'll be in the north and the south, there'll be prayer meetings in the north, prayer meetings in the south. We're just going to really ramp up prayer for this church. Um, and we believe that that is where God is going to confirm this stuff in our hearts. Step out is the second one with midweek meetings. Okay, so we are going to introduce midweek meetings in the north and the south. So we're going to continue in grace communities, 
but from time to time, um, and it looks like we're going to do it every second week, we're still kind of working things out with our Grace Community leaders, but it looks like we're going to do it every second week um, after Easter for a while, and uh, we're going to gather all together in the north, all together in the south every second week. And we're going to just help prepare one another for this next season. So um, just to be clear on that, though, we really have a high view of our grace communities and having those smaller groups. And so even when we meet north and south, we're going to meet in our grace communities altogether, if that makes sense. So you'll be sat with your grace communities and a lot of the discussion and things that we do uh, after a little bit of teaching and worship and prayer uh, will then come back into your grace communities. Um, the third thing is we want to step out a mission. Um, so um, in the north and the south, we are going to seek out um, additional opportunities for us to start serving the areas that we live in. Um, so um, we want our mission to be relational. We want to get alongside our neighbours or our work um, colleagues or the mums at the Mums and Tots group or the, our neighbours who don't know Christ or, or whoever it may be. We want to get alongside them. We want to um, show them Jesus. Um, and then we are also going to complement those from time to time with events like Alpha. Um, so we do really believe that mission should be done relationally rather than event-led, um, but we do think events can help um, facilitate that. So um, we'll be trying to look at things like um, alpha courses in the autumn, um, and we will be keeping it quite simple. Um, so we're not going to be um, putting too much into the church diary. We're not going to start having events every night of the week. We want to keep things simple because we want to free up people's time to go and be on mission where you live. So that will be the way that we are going to step out um, in mission. Great. So you see how this is building? Praying together, then preparation in uh, north and south groups, and kind of start talking about it a little bit more, start working through some of the questions you have, and then looking to run alphas and other evangelistic courses that we might want to do um, so in the north and in the south, so that we can then start thinking about who is it that might come along to these, who can we invite, who might be saved and look to form these two congregations. All right, then we want to step out with growing leaders. And actually, this is already taking place. There's all kinds of things that we are doing. But hey, let's just be really clear on something. Uh, it is comforting to know, isn't it, that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Not the leaders in your church. Right? That's really important for you to know. I will let you down, Johnny will let you down, other leaders will let you down, Jesus will not. Yeah. So we're following him, that's the first thing to say, and we're trying to make disciples of Jesus, uh, not just disciples of Johnny or Lynn or Lewis, we want to make disciples of Jesus. And actually, in that passage, Jesus is, is talking about how he builds on leaders, particularly on Peter in this moment, which of course... For those of you who are familiar with the Bible will know he has a very significant particular role. <laughs> but we would say that it's a principle there already in that Jesus will build his church using leaders. He has, God has done this since the beginning and will continue to do it. Healthy churches have healthy leaders and so we want to invest in leaders. Um, Johnny and I are going through an exploration and eldership with four other uh, guys in the church right now. And um, it's been amazing, it's been so good. Uh, it's just amazing to see their humility, uh, incredible to see them just kind of opening up. Uh, so just so you know, this isn't a like, there's kind of no promises either way in this. 
and we've just said, hey, let's, let's get together and explore this. We see something in you guys. And there are others in the church we see something in as well, but we just felt for this season, these, these four guys um, would be great to bring together into the room and, and to do this together. And um, so we've got uh, Dennis, and we've got Lewis, and we've got Jeff, and we've got Darren, and they're all uh, doing that with us at the moment. And um, yeah, we're, we're loving doing that with those guys, and we're excited to see where that goes. Now, some of them might become elders here at Glasgow Grace. Some of them might become elders elsewhere in the future. Uh, some of them might not become elders ever at all, but we're kind of exploring it together with that kind of openness and saying, all right, no commitments either way. Let's just see how this goes. Keep praying, see what God does. I'd also like to say that there are others in the church that we see that potential in, but in the season, we just felt led to these four. If you're someone who's like, hold on a minute, like, why wasn't I asked? <laughs> Please come and chat to us. Like, we really want to know um, if you would have been interested in that um, and feel that you might be ready for that. I'd love to have that conversation with you. All right, but elders aren't just one, are just kind of one part of church leadership, right? So we've got a growing ministry lead team. So those are the people who lead your grace communities or teams on a Sunday. Um, and most of those guys have assistant leaders as well, um, sometimes multiple leaders. And then I also just want to say, like, the nature of the kingdom is that you all have influence. So in a sense, we're all leaders, right? So God has given all of us an ability to influence people around us by the power of his spirit. And I want you to also remember that this isn't about us saying, oh, this person's really impressive, let's make them a leader. Actually, the principle that we see in scripture is that God takes weakness and turns it to strength. And so the kind of leadership that we are looking for is Christ-likeness, it's character, it's people who, who are growing in, a, in, in their faith and seeing themselves become more and more like Jesus. That's the kind of leadership that we're looking for in the church and the kind of influence that we would like all of us to have here in the church as we one another and disciple one another and out there in the world. So don't see yourself as a leader. Actually, if you're a Christian, in a sense, you're a leader. Oh, yes. Current leaders in the church. Um, the current leaders in the church will um, stay in the, uh, with the congregation that they live nearest. Um, there are a couple of exceptions to that where it's like, hey, where do you want to go? <laughs> um, and it's kind of just like a choice. Um, and we're happy to help people through that, whether leaders or not. Um, but just to say, if you're kind of work, trying to work out, like, where's everyone going to go? Uh, at the moment, we're just saying, hey, well, if you're in the north, go to the north. If you're in the south, go to the south. And then there are a few others that we'll just have to kind of work this through with, keep praying and see what God does, uh, see where God leads us. Um, I am kind of the exception to that rule in that I'm going to be across both congregations simply so that we have an elder who is across both congregations. And because I'm working full time for the church, that just kind of makes sense for that to be me in this season. Um, so I'm going to be at both congregations pretty much every week at the beginning, and then we'll see where it goes. So the idea is that these congregations might in the future become more and more autonomous, and that leaders would be uh, raised up and get to the point where like, someone like me isn't, we don't feel like it's really that necessary for me to be uh, in different congregations. Uh, but in, in the beginning, that's, that's the way we're going. All right. Brilliant, the last one that we've got is um, to step out in giving. 
Um, so Colin Barron, who um, leads a church down in Manchester, Christ Church Manchester, says this, God's abundant generosity provides fuel for ours. God's abundant generosity provides fuel for ours. You see, we want to grow as a church in developing a generous culture. And that is fueled by faith in God's provision for us. I actually just want to take a moment to, to extort and encourage. We have, we have seen this, and it's been incredible. Um, so thank you. Well done. We've got um, 30-ish students going to the weekend away that have been um, generously paid for by someone in the church. Incredible. We've had people who have given like a month of their rent in the summer to the church. We've got someone who um, came across some money, quite significant money, and was just, I just feel led to give this away to the church. So well done. We're growing in this. We're doing really well. Totally. We are doing really well. But generosity goes beyond the finances. Our hospitality, our welcome, our time, it should all be marked by generosity. Can I just very quickly say? Yes. The deficit that we had, that we announced a while yep. ago, is almost entirely made up. Yeah. Like, what a response. Yeah. You get, like, honestly, you've really responded in faith and generosity. And, yeah, it's really moving, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, great. A gen generous culture does talk about finances and giving. And um, I just want to be really clear, and we've been really clear in this, hopefully, over and over again. Um, we do not want people to give out of compulsion. In fact, the Bible says that we should be joyful givers, that give out of um, the generosity um, that God has given to us. We're also not interested in being a money-grabbing church. I just want to be really clear of that. And we are also not interested with building a big bank account. We're just not interested in those things at all. We do need to acknowledge, though, one thing, that going to this um, multi, um, sort of multiple congregations across the city is going to require more finance. It's going to require more resources. We need to be real with that. Building hires, planting costs. We're working on budgeting, and we, um, we want to be wise. We're not going to walk into this blindly. Um, but we are also full of faith for what God is going to do. He has provided for us up to this point. And we can rest on his promises that he will continue to provide for us. Yeah. He promises to provide for us. Staffing. We employ staff, not just to build up a staff team, so we can say, oh, we've got like 10 members of staff for this amazing church. <laughs> We're not interested in that. We employ staff so they can release us to be more effective in the mission God has given us. Ian and Lewis's jobs as staff members is to equip the students for ministry, and I think you would agree that they are doing a great job. So thank you to both of them. And we would love to get to a point where we can grow our team, maybe look at an administrator. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> we also want to get to a point where we can be more generous. And I do want to specifically say for Lewis and Abby, as Lewis takes on more responsibilities with the church, as Lewis and Abby go into this next season of life, we want to find a way that we can be more generous towards them as well. In Luke's Gospel, in chapter 8, we see a number of people are mentioned specifically for giving from their own means to support ministry. Luke introduces us to these three women who are named, who were financially supporting Jesus and the disciples' ministry. Now, perhaps you feel a little bit restricted by how much time you can give to the church. I just want to ask this question of all of us. Maybe God has given you a role to play through giving to this. Through financing it. 
Maybe he's calling you like these women in Luke's gospel to be faithfully supporting God's mission. We are full of faith. We are full of faith that God will do and give us what we need for this next stage. Yep. Amen. Um, We also want to step out with others. So just so you know, we're going to be in conversation, and I already am with many, uh, with other church leaders around the city, uh, because we're all on the same team here. (laughs) We all uh, would love to see more people come to know Jesus. We're not in competition with other churches. Uh, So where we plant uh, congregations, we're going to be in conversation with people about that. If we are nearby people when we go to plant, we're going to be thinking about how we complement and not conflict. Uh, so we're just, I want you to know that we're really thinking about that and we want to think about the wider church. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's just something to bear in mind. Please do keep praying for other churches. Like, we're not the only church, yeah. right? Like, there's yeah. lots of great churches in Glasgow. Praise God for that. And we pray that there'll be more healthy churches that are multiplying. Um, so, yeah, keep, keep praying for them. Great. Well, we don't have all the answers, do we? No. We've got some of them. God's revealed quite a bit to us already, as you can see. Uh, but there's a long way to go. We haven't told you when we're going to do this. That's deliberate. It's because we don't know. Um, we, we think it might be soon, but we don't know how soon. And there will come a time where God's going to say, right, time to step out in faith here. And so we do know that we can make some little steps just now. And then let's see how that goes and what God's doing and where we're all at. Um, because it's really important we do this together. Yeah. Now, it's going to be impossible for everyone in the room to be entirely comfortable with a big step of faith. Okay? But we do want to do it as much as possible together. And um, we, we, want to, we want to bring one another along. This isn't a, we've got a vision, are you going to come? Um, this is a, we think God's vision for us together is this, and you are at the heart of it. Yeah. You see the difference? And, and actually, the leadership of the world and hopefully the leadership of the church should look very different, and, and we, we think this is one way that it should look different. Yeah. Shall I? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jesus has made a way, hasn't he, for us to return to the life-giving presence of God for us to be living out our image-bearing, God-glorifying purpose. And at the heart of that is churches. And at the very heart of that should then be planting because we're looking to multiply. Praise God for this vision that he has given us. And uh, we're inviting you to come and join with us and pray with us and all of us together to seek God in these next steps. Mm.